their children are beautiful people who know the Lord. And so no better people could I think of when I was like, who do I want up here with me than these two wonderful women? And they've played significant roles in my life, been in many situations where Aaron has mothered me and discipled me, and Lori has uh, patiently worked along my side the last four years as my assistant. Um, and if you don't know, she just retired from that role, and I'm really, really grateful for that. So. All right, here's the tension I want you guys to help me wrestle with. Here it is. As a parent, what does success look like? And um, I feel this. I feel this every day. I'm with my two littles at home. I want to make sure I raise them uh, to live the best life they can. But I don't know what that is and what, what if that's in my control. Um, in my role, now I'm wearing children's ministry director hat, um, I've been doing a little bit of research on as a culture, how do we define success when it comes to parenting? And there's this incredible uh, resource out, it was published last year, 2021, called Handing Down the Faith. This is a sociological work uh, done out of Notre Dame. And in it, the researchers, uh, Dr. Christian Smith, interviewed over 200 parents who are devout um, followers of their faith, and it crosses all faith systems in America. So they interviewed American religious adults on what does it look like to pass your faith down to your kids and where does your faith play a role in that process. And this is the summary statement that crossed all faith systems. So this to me kind of catches what, what's in the air? What's that weight I'm feeling on my shoulders? Not specific to being a follower of Jesus, just something that's around me. And I want us to wrestle with that as a community to notice what is of the Lord and what might not be of the Lord and see where he takes us. Does that sound good? All right, so here it is. According to what our culture, these are religious people across faiths, believe success is. I'm going to read it. As a parent, maybe a parent who's had kids or is in the process or is thinking about kids, kind of identify what feels like you're wearing this too. Parents are responsible for preparing their children for the challenging journey of life, during which they will hopefully become their best possible selves and live happy, good lives. Religion provides crucial help for navigating life's journey successfully, including moral guidance, emotional support, and a secure home base. So, parents should equip their children with knowledge of their religion by routinely modeling its practices, values, and ethics, which children will then hopefully absorb and embrace for themselves. And it feels, it feels true. It feels like there's truth in there to me, but it also feels like everything is on me all of a sudden. So, here we go. Here's where it started to really contrast for me this week. I was invited by the Lord to start reading through Luke. And I'm just noticing John and Jesus. And I'm going to zoom through this so I can get to the question real quick. John and Jesus. I'm going to skip through their... No, actually, we're going to read it. Um, <laughs> who in this room would look at John and Jesus and say, their lives weren't a success? Right? You look at their lives. They have these beautiful mothers. And they get these words from the Lord sent by angels about what they're supposed to be right? John will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He'll bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He will prepare the way for the Lord. He will have the same spirit and power that Elijah had. He will bring peace between parents and their children. He will teach people who don't obey to be wise and do what is right. In this way, he will prepare a people who are ready for the Lord. And then Mary was given this word about Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called son of the most high God. The Lord God will make him a king like his father David of long ago. The son of the most high God will rule forever over his people. 
They are from the family line of Jacob. That kingdom will never end. Like, these are powerful mission statements to hand off to a mom to channel how they're going to parent their kids. But we know, for the most part, how their journeys went. I'm 33. Jesus lived to 33, right? He lives forever, but the course of his life was full of betrayal, hurt, abuse, neglect, and murder. And then John the Baptist, just a little bit about the same age as Jesus to the same time. So I want to tease out one thing from this summary of success that I'm wrestling with and looking at the lives of John and Jesus. It says that during which they, our kids, will hopefully become their best possible selves and live happy, good lives. When I look at the lives of Jesus, I know that they were measuring their success by following Father and listening to him. But someone from the outside who didn't know the full story would look and say, I don't know if their parents succeeded. They didn't live happy, good lives. And so this is their wrestle. This is the context of what's happening in my soul, having two littles, and getting to work with lots of parents. You know, well, how do we get to measure success? What's of the culture around us, the spirit of the age, the lies of the enemies that we're sitting in? And as you guys have went through it for decades, you have a better hindsight of helping us see what's truth and, truth and what's a lie. Does that sound good? Okay. Hopefully from now on, I will do a lot less talking because that's what we want. All right. So I'm going to start Aaron. Okay. So um, what does success look like is actually the wrong question. <laughs> I'm not even going to wrestle with that question. That question is... Um, Truthfully, I think that's how the world measures parenting, and what that sets us up for is the feeling of failure and um, shame. And this is not a kingdom way at all. And so um, I think Jesus asks us something totally different. He asks us to, to love and to learn to love, how to love one another as he loved us. And he, in following him, we have the opportunity to let go of judgment, like Anna taught us last, right? And to let go of measuring ourselves or measuring our children. And we have the simple, I didn't say easy, the simple, opportunity to obey him so i would pose the question if it was up to me is what is the purpose of parenting or discipleship and i'd say the purpose of parenting or discipleship is to love children so that they feel connected and delighted in as image bearers of christ and the second thing, I think, is that we're to point them to the one true God and invite them to know him. Of course, knowing that we can't do that without his help. Right? There's, it's impossible. But those are, the, those are the two things that I think are the answer to the question is of why. Um, we're, but I think this is just the wrong question. So, <laughs> yeah, sure. And I think, of course, in Scripture, Scripture is a great help to us. That's why God gave it to us. And this is the Scripture that, that um, stands out. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Love him with all your strength. The commandments I give you today must be in your heart. Make sure your children learn them. Talk about them when you are at home. Talk about them when you walk along the road. Speak about them when you go to bed. Speak about them when you get up. Write them down and tie them on your hands as you remember. Also tie them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house. Also write them on your gates. So in scripture, he gives us lots of different ways, but actually it's just living life. So I think we're to love Jesus fiercely and love our children or the people we're around gently, not the other way around. What does success look like to you? Is that the right question? <laughs> I totally agree with Aaron. It's the wrong question. <laughs> There's so many ways to fail, right? There's so many ways to compare ourselves. Oh my gosh. But really what we're doing is we're just helping the people that are around us be near to Jesus and become like Jesus. It's, that's, we're just living our lives together following Jesus, whether that's with, you know, people around you or the little people in your own house. You're just living your life together following Jesus. You know, like you teach your kids to brush your teeth and you teach them to pray. You know, like it's just, it's just living life every day. And that's, that's what we're aiming for. That's where we're going. But brushing teeth, that's essential, right? <laughs> like, well, I can go through life without depends praying. Depends on how old you are, right. because sometimes it's not that essential, and you know, you got to kind of Well, let's, let's encourage play that. with that a little bit. That's the next question I had for you guys, and maybe folks in the room can agree. So why keep this at the center, you know? Like, why, if you had to choose between teeth brushing and praying, what, what gets to be the priority in that conversation? I would say that because Jesus is central in my life, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, he is central in your life. So sharing him with your kids or the people around you is central to your life. And some days that just means, oh, Jesus, please help me get this kid to sleep. <laughs> and that's all you got, you know. But some days that means having like these deep conversations and these really connecting times with, like Aaron was saying, just connecting to Jesus and connecting to each other. But why is it central? It's because Jesus is the most important thing of anything. Yeah. Around Jesus. I think um, also, like in 2 Corinthians 5, it talks, it reminds us that we're no longer live for ourselves, that we live for Christ. And so our whole purpose in life is to live for him and share our lives and for him. So we're, we're always constantly sharing about him. We're supposed to be an example of him. And so we do that through scripture, but we also talk about examples in, of, how, of his power and his presence. And um, that leads to the, to the next scripture. Um, I will open my mouth and tell a story. I will speak about things that were hidden. They happened a long time ago. We have heard about them and we know them. Our people who lived before us have told us about them. We won't hide them from our children. We will tell them to those who have lived after us. We will tell them what the Lord has done, 
that is worthy of praise. We will talk about his power and the wonderful things he has done. I think it's really important that we tell what the Lord has done, that we not only recognize it ourselves, what God is doing, but that we remember to tell what God is doing in the past. So I can remember this story that I've told my children many times, but it's how I learned um, that God is holy and he's to be obeyed. Um, when I was six, my father, uh, we were coming out of church, and so we're, we're walking out the door, and this lady we were up on the, was up on the balcony, and she leaned down over the balcony and said to my father, Brother Watt, will you pray for me this week? And my dad said, watch this, Aaron. Sure, I'll pray for you every time God brings you to mind. And we walked out the door, and my dad said, see, Aaron, I didn't lie. I'll never remember, but I didn't lie. <laughs> and so we got in the car, and my little six-year-old self was doing this in the car. Like, that didn't feel right, right, you know? But I didn't have words to say that didn't feel right, but I didn't know what to do. So we drove home, and I didn't say anything because I didn't know what to say. And the next morning, my dad, he's, I'm getting ready for school, he's getting ready for work, and he said, oh my goodness, Aaron, here's what happened. The Lord kept me up all night <laughs> praying for that woman. The Lord God is holy. He listens to our words. We are obligated to obey. Do not ever say anything flippantly about our God. You must obey whatever he speaks. And that woman actually needed prayer. And I'm telling you, from that time that I was six, I understood the holiness of God. And I also understood that we need to walk in obedience when he speaks to us. And I knew that God speaks to us. So it's a lot of what I have taught my children, like I called my 36-year-old daughter, my oldest daughter, and said, I'm gonna share on Sunday, what should I share? And she said, oh, just tell them like you taught us. You just mess up all the time. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then you just repent and you keep going. That's how you taught us, Mom. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll do that. I I'm sure that'll go over well. <laughs> but it's true, that's how I learned from my parents, too. So. That's so special, Erin. Um, well, I would like to recount a story for everyone here that happened this morning as you were talking, as you were so I think the Lord wants me to bring that up. So I don't know if you felt it in the building, but the Wi-Fi went out at one point. Anyone aware of that? You probably are aware if you were a parent checking in your child and there was a horde of parents out there. Well, Maddie Hayes is out there, comes and finds me in one of the spaces. I'm with all the elementary kids at the time. You know, something bad has happened. Okay, I check it. Wi-Fi's down. We work through a solution. I come back in the room and, and all morning the kids are discovering this truth that God loves us at any age. I'm like, why not invite the kids into this problem? And so we stopped and said, hey, friends, we have this issue right now. God loves to answer your prayers. Can we pray? And so we prayed that the Wi-Fi would be fixed. And he fixed the Wi-Fi. And so I was like, oh, that was easy. And then I got to build up the kids in that moment and say, wow. And notice God working around them and in them. I, I don't know why, but this, as you're talking, I'm just, it's starting to um, give language to what I get to experience with my, my two-and-a-half-year-old, Ollie, before having kids, it was like I had to have like a scope and sequence for yeah. discipling my children no. yeah. and 
now I actually just notice God working in and around him, and I get to call it out, right. and I get to live it around him too. And um, which leads me into this next question perfectly, um, which I'm not the only one probably asking this, but it's okay. When and where do I start? So if we have kids at home, or if you're thinking about kids, or kids in your neighborhood, now specifically, children's ministry director hat, I'm focusing on kids. That's my role here, I get to do. But this broadens to everyone. When and where do I disciple someone in general? You know, um, what do you guys have to say to that? I think we've already covered that it's just all of our life, right? But it has to start with the gospel. Have we fully understood and committed to the gospel? The gospel is this amazing story of God's love. It's extravagant. It's never-ending. It's more than we could think or imagine. It was lived out by Jesus. He came, and he lived, and he died, and he resurrected so that we would be provided with everything we need for life and godliness. That's the gospel. If we work that into our lives, then we're automatically starting. That's where we start. Jesus provided everything that we need. His work on the cross was complete. It was enough. There's nothing more that's needed. It's all found in the gospel. And when we work that into our lives, that's where we start. And some of us have been Christians all of our lives and don't really think about it all that much. And some of us are just starting on this journey, but it's, that's where we begin. We begin with the truth of the gospel and the freedom that we find in that. And um, I think that sometimes you think, oh no, I don't have, you know, enough, or I don't know, you know, I didn't know about this stuff when I was a kid, or, you know, there's all those things that come, but uh, we do have enough, because that's what Jesus did. That's really good. That, yeah, I totally with that. The other thing that's so great with children is that God wired them to ask questions, which is so great because they automatically ask a million questions, right? So you just answer with scripture. Like uh, last week, my, eight, my nine-year-old grandson was asking, um, how do I know what I'm going to be when I grow up? And so it was so easy. Like, you just say, oh, John, you don't get to pick. Because, <laughs> because, um, because here's the deal. You already picked Jesus. And so here, let me show you in Ephesians 2, where it says you are Christ's worksmanship, and he's already laid out for you what you're going to do. And so you're in third grade now but I'm pretty sure he's picked fourth grade for you, right? <laughs> so by the time you're done with school, you're gonna ask him, am I supposed to go to college or am I not? What job am I supposed to have? Because when you follow Christ, I know it looks like grownups just do whatever they wanna do, but if you're, a if you're a Jesus follower, you only ask for assignments. You don't, if you're following Jesus, you never take the lead. You follow him, right? So, John, you, you don't even have to ask that question. You just wake up every day and you say, what is my assignment today? And he said, that is so awesome, Nana. I don't have to know the answer. And I said, that's right, because you're following Jesus. So all we have to do is just know scripture and answer with scripture. It's so great. And we don't have to, and scripture tells us that we're, supposed to be ready with an answer, that's it. 
we just answer our kids' questions. They ask us, we answer. It's great. That's, that is beautiful, Aaron. That's beautiful. It, it makes me think of when in the Gospels, every time Jesus is asked with a question, he always dignifies someone with a response. But he never, rarely, he rarely answers the question at face value. It's like what you did with my success question. He's like, yeah, I'm hearing your question, but I'm also listening to Holy Spirit and hearing what's underneath, you know? And so we get to do that as parents. Um, we get to dignify the questions. We get to do this in our kids' program. We call it our wonder box. It's awesome. Kids that are wondering about something, there's no question that Jesus isn't afraid of. So we get to dignify that. So questions. That's one practical way. That actually tees me up for the next one. It's like we practice this, you guys. Okay, um, I'm thinking Cindy Free. She always says, okay, we're out here. Help, help us land the plane more. Help us think, what are some concrete ways that you've witnessed Jesus disciple your kids through you um, throughout the years? Oh, um, okay, so I can think of four quick ways of how. So we want to formally teach our kids as well as just live our lives because like we teach them formally with other things like how to drive a car or how to, how to cook or any of those other things. We don't, they don't just watch us drive a car and then we let them drive, right? I mean, we have to formally teach them. So um, Lori and I have brought some books over here to um, show you what we've learned if you wanna see later. But um, also there's rhythms of life that, that we've used in our household, like when our kids were little. I have six children. My husband and I have six children. So there's rhythms of life that, that we've um, used when our kids were little. Um, like on Sunday afternoons, I spent time uh, thinking of who needed a meal that week, who we could send a card to, who on our block needed flowers, those kind of things, so that that was a rhythm of life of what we were gonna do in service. Um, then um, whatever I was reading in scripture, I made sure and talked to my kids about, you'll never believe what God showed me, or you'll never believe what I needed to repent of this week, <laughs> you know? Or, well, they saw me repenting all the time. Um, but, and then um, just understanding that, like in First Peter, I love how First Peter just, Says in the first chapter says, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, you'll be able to ha love more deeply. Like how he just assumes that you've pur purified yourself, right? So we're always working on our own lives through Christ Jesus. And that's one of the ways I think that we disciple our kids is working on our own lives, having Jesus dig through and search our hearts and do that. And that's part of discipling those around us, is having Jesus work out what needs to be worked out in us. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's where you start. And I think you t treat the people around you as complete human beings, so little kids aren't less human being than older yeah. adult people. And so, you know, we already talked about, like, listening to their questions and answering their questions, but um, just making space for them. Uh, one thing that we always have been, had tons of people around and uh, hearing other people's stories and being able to understand that other people's journeys and other people's lives are super different from ours, but God's still in the middle of their story just like he's in the middle of our story. Um, 
and then doing things that your kids are naturally bent to. At one point, Victoria loved checklists. I could put anything on that checklist. She was like really little. It didn't last very long. But like I could put anything on that checklist and she would do it, you know? So like I made sure I put let's read the Bible together on that checklist because I'm not very good at it. But she would be like, hey, I want to check this off. Um, you know, Elizabeth was like really discerning as a little, little kid on a mission trip. She would be like, we need to pray for that person right there. And, we, and so we would go over there and we would pray for that person right over there. And, you know, it's just kind of like respecting our kids' ability to hear the Holy Spirit and, and also respecting the kind of person that they are. Of course, that changes a lot. So you're always going back to the Holy Spirit and saying, how do I do this today? But, um, yeah, I think those are just some practical, practical things that we've done. I'd like to add laugh a lot because last night <laughs> Ollie looked Audrey in the face sincerely and said, Mama, you look like an angel. Then, she, then he said, Mama, you look like a potty dress. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, okay, we just had a good time about it. Right, exactly. Um, I'd like to just glean some more advice from you. I think it's easy to feel intimidated about the task of what you're saying. You know, oh, living my life on display in front of my kids, repenting around them, oh, setting 20 minutes aside on a Sunday. My life, and, it, and it's easy to find a quick out, you know? You, you hit like, that just doesn't look like my life, you know? And so I'm just going to disregard the rest because I just can't fit that box. Does that make sense? I'd like to just hear some advice of your experience of um, people might be feeling that right now, be like, uh, I'm not Aaron, I'm not Lori. Um, actually closer to Zach, but <laughs> yeah. what advice would you have um, yeah. to us busy parents? I would say that there are a million ways to feel inadequate. There will always be plenty of ways to feel inadequate. And Aaron and I aren't up here because we know something or <laughs> like we have this incredible like thing that everybody else should have. We're up here because we were willing <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like I know they asked other people too, you know? yeah. but we were the willing ones. And so I think that's um, where you start. You start by being willing. You ask Jesus, what do you have for me here and now? And you try not to compare with what he has for everybody else. And then you're willing. And most of the time that willingness just takes the burden off. You know, it just takes the, the stress and the comparison, all that, when that's gone, you feel so much freer. Sometimes it makes you feel uncomfortable because he asks you to do something that's hard. But that doesn't mean that you're inadequate. It just means that you're doing something hard and Jesus is there doing it with you, right? So I think that's my advice is like, you don't have to be like anyone else. You just follow Jesus. And then he comes and he gives you everything that you need to obey him. You're not doing it on your own. Yeah, and I think God gifts us and with different capacities on purpose because we need the body of Christ, right? And so um, my capacity is um, large for numbers of people. I have six children, and so four extra or five extra is no big deal. I can handle lots of children. <laughs> I, cooking large for large groups of people, I love that. I love doing that. I can make a cake and open my door and, or cook a meal for people, and that's a joy to me. It's never a stress. 
if you want to come over and sit on my laundry or fold it, that's great. I, I'm, I never feel bad if my house is not perfect because secretly I know yours is not perfect either. Um, so it doesn't, I, I just love people and I want them to come and so that's not a thing. But I also know, like when my kids were little, I could send them to people's house who actually know how to have fun, which I don't know how to have fun. You know, so I could send my kids to, or to someone's house who knows how to do crafts. I'm not a crafty person. You know, or someone who knows how to sing, or the joy of the Lord in different places. We all have gifts and talents. Let's don't focus on what we can't do. Let's focus on what God has gifted us for. So I can open my door. That's the one thing I can do. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, I was going to bring this up. One of the takeaways from this research, getting a general feel of what American parents are feeling, very religious parents, is that that sole responsibility lands on their shoulders. And so one of the consequences of this feeling in our culture is that children actually don't pass up their parents in their religious fervor, depending on, your, on that, you know. Um, because they kind of close off other influences, because the responsibility is not on others, it's solely on my shoulders. But what I'm hearing from you, Erin, is that you kind of, you reached what you could do, and you invited other people into the equation, so I can only offer this much to my child in regards to this. I'm not crafty, I'm not artsy. Right. Um, but what I did learn also, too, is if you have laundry, a great strategy, discipleship yes. strategy, is just let it go unfolded. Leave it on your couch. And then whenever you've got high schoolers yeah. over, just say, listen, this is... Come, let's talk about Jesus while you fold. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. That's my takeaway. Exactly. Well, I, I want to expand that question out for both of you, because you guys have not done this alone. And um, we've heard that it takes a village to raise a child. Uh, how much more in our culture um, to help a, a child notice Jesus' activity in their life and lean into obedience? So who has been in your village these years? We had so many people and so many people that are in this room that were part of our village. I'm thinking of capacity and gifts and talents. You know, I, I just think of Donna who took Victoria out to like catch snakes and like tramp through swamps. And I'm like, oh Jesus, thank you for my friend. <laughs> and her capacity is like so much greater than mine just to have people. But having other people in our life that were saying the same things, you guys have all seen the um, comedy show on television or the cartoon where someone gives advice and the person doesn't listen and then turns around and this person gives the exact same advice and then they go, oh, wow, yeah, this person is going to, hey, I just said that. Right. That's how it feels to be a parent. <laughs> <laughs> but you find the other people around you who are saying the same things and pointing your kids to Jesus over and over and over again and fusion, oh my goodness, that's just the community there and the relationships that are built there and the, and the willingness for the fusion leaders to say, we're not perfect, but we're going to follow Jesus together. And they just keep encouraging your kids and encouraging your kids. And, and, you know, we've been blessed with this really great family that's been super influential, but for most of our lives, they were far away. And so our church was it, you know, like having actual people that care about your kids and pour into them huge huge yeah same with us church family has um was really important to us when our kids were growing up our oldest is 
turning 40 this year. So, um, so we had church, we didn't have family near at all. And so you need aunts and uncles and grandparents, spiritual grandparents, you need family around. And Terry and I always um, taught Sunday school and um, Wednesday night, and we taught every chance we could in, in church. Um, growing up when the kids were little, that's what he, he took a week of vacation every year, for almost, almost every year, for VBS. We were just really participated in church because it was our family. And um, our, our son, our fourth child, um, even invited, we, we let our kids invite um, however old they were to invite that many kids to a birthday party. He, he invited a grown-up to, to Rod Kraft was invited to his three-year-old birthday party because he was, he was so important in his life, you know? So I'm, it's just really important to have church family be a part of your life. And um, that just was really important to us. And the church family really becomes family in so many different ways. Thank you guys. This really is a, I get to experience this because of my role, but it really does take the whole body to yeah. come around a child. Uh, this is a really loud and hectic world, yeah. and this, in the little pockets of space that they get to be around other followers of Jesus are few and far in between. So I'd encourage everyone here, when you're around a child, I'm going to use the word child generally, anyone who is leaning into Jesus, or just take a moment and be present, because you might be one of, you might, what was that guy's name? Rodcraft. Rodcraft. Aaron still remembers Rodcraft's yeah. name. Yeah. 37 years later, right? Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, this reminds me of, uh, I think it was a, year, a little over a year ago, Michael Stevens, I saw Ruth in here today, had one of those drive through birthday parties, right, where people mm -hmm. were going by. Craig and Chris Westoff came, and they stopped the car, opened up their sunroof, and had cannons, and were just shooting off cannons. And you just see this kid have like he's the center of their world right now yes and they live out in like far jinx this wasn't latrec they probably went and bought these cannons it's you know well, it's oklahoma i guess you can find them anywhere but <laughs> they showed up and i didn't get the permission to share this story they showed up and we get to do i get to see this week in and week out of our volunteer team and in vbs once a year is people just show up and it's because i want as many people around my children because i'm i'm not musical it's like sam westoff come, come please teach my kid how to experience the Lord in music because he ain't going to get it from me. <laughs> He's going to get it in like reading, but not in music. And so we need the body. We need the body. Okay. Now I've had this conversation twice with them. So I'm going to share, actually before I do, is there anything else on your guys' hearts um, kind of rising to the surface you'd love to share? You know, it's a great answer too. Awesome. Okay. So in light of my second conversation, I want to bring back into the wrestle. It felt like this. That's that quote from the beginning of the, our talk. It felt like that's what's on my shoulders as a parent. In order to see my child, in my mind, follow Jesus all their days, right? And so I actually, I actually got to tweak this a little bit and play with it. And my hope here by doing this is to provide a draft for my life because I think even though you've helped me deconstruct the question, um, what does it mean to be successful as a parent? I think my impulse and my body and my mind is still, it feels it and it's going to feel it. And there's an enemy who knows that that's a weak spot for me and he's gonna come in and kinda, 
kind of just kind of pry that open again. Um, so I think to be actively ahead of the lie is something that works for my personality. So this is the way I've processed it. So I've taken this quote and I've kind of injected some of our conversation into it. I'm going to backspace all of it, spiritual exercise right now, and then retype. I'm clicking, there it is. Pulling out the things that felt true in that, uh, I mean, the things that I, I'm confident are true, and, and rewrote the things that had a bent to it. So parents are responsible for what? And I would include the whole body of Christ here, but from the lens of I'm the one with my kids most of the day with Audrey, discipling our children during which they will hopefully become near and like Jesus. Being a disciple of Jesus is the only way for navigating life's journey successfully in this life and the next, including moral guidance, emotional support, a secure home base. We actually have language for that home base, it's the family of God. So parents get to make disciples of their children by first being a disciple themselves, modeling a life near and like Jesus with us. That's that repenting. I love that, Aaron. Being able to say sorry to your kids. How freeing is that? Practices, his practices, values, and ethics, which children will experience and benefit from so they can grow near and like Jesus for themselves and the disciples they make. So that feels more free, right? And more aligned to truth. Um, at this moment, i like to have Guile come up. We don't know what we're doing to end it, but Guile has been listening to the Lord as a disciple of Jesus. They hope. Um, no, actually, I had said that we were talking before and, and said, how do you want to finish this? I don't know. Are you okay if we don't know? And just to ask the Lord. And I, I was, you know, doing that transition moment, and the Lord kept on giving me Romans 12. I thought he was giving. Then I got up. I was like, ah, it's not for now. I didn't know you're going to be used. I, I didn't read the notes as closely as I should have. Um, yeah. This is Romans 12. This is so good. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is, spiritual, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove, understand what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I think what we heard today was this idea of identifying, Anna calls it the slime. You know, you walk through the world and just doing life and you get slimed by worldviews and ways of thinking and being that we think are normal and they're not. Like that first, sent, that first sentence that, that Zach showed us feels normal, but we realized this morning it's not. It's not the way of Jesus. So we're getting to this morning to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so we're not conformed. No one has to leave today feeling inadequate or shameful. Because the whole job, if, did you notice you could replace kids with adults anywhere in here? Everything they said today is a successful strategy for anybody. Go to work tomorrow and do what Aaron says. Delight in the person next to them so they know they're loved and share what's happening with you in Jesus. We've got success. Every begin this, this, was, this is like incredible discipleship here. We heard this morning that was just so powerful. We all get a part to play in this. And, and so the thing I notice also with Romans 12, Paul says, okay, here's what it looks like to have your mind renewed. And I'm going to skip down to Romans 12, 9. 
So love must be free of hypocrisy, detest what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor. Give preference to one another in honor. So you'll notice we're trying to be sensitive that not everybody in the room is a mother. We're trying to be sensitive. But the way of Jesus that's transformative is we prefer one another and we honor one another. So I want the moms who are moms in the room to stand up right now. This is just what we do in the family of God. It's not a better than or anything like that. Let's, let's honor them, yes. And I'm noticing for some of you, apparently you're announcing that you're pregnant. So, okay. Wow. That's really cool. We're going to stay right here. We're going to pray over you right now. Okay, we're going to pray over you right now. So we're going to just take a minute, and, and, and I'm going to pray out loud in a second. But before I do that, I want you guys, just if there's a mom near you, put hands on them. If they don't like having hands on them, don't do it. If you get a look, respect it. And let's just pray for our moms for their blessing right now for just a minute. Go. So, Father in heaven, as we're praying, I ask this. I ask you to do for our moms what only you can do. In the end, it's only Jesus who's the one who says, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, our kids don't have enough juice to give it to us. Our husbands don't have enough juice to give it. Our parents, it's, it's never going to come from anybody but Jesus. So, Lord, would you strip away the things that are of this world, that are not godly thinking, and transform our minds now that we can hear the yes of Jesus, the love and attentiveness of the Father, that He's proud of you. He likes you. He likes what you're doing. You're on a journey with Him. You'll never be perfect, so stop it. Stop trying. And let Him help you make disciples. So Lord, I pray that today would be a light and easy day. A light and easy day that we just time and time again, hear your affirmation that you just so delighted in us. You're so proud of our moms. We bless you now in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, as you exit, we, we've actually got enough flowers for all the ladies, but we're, we're doing it in honor of our moms. For all the ladies, there's a flower for you as you walk out this door. Have a great week. We love you guys. And a couple other notes, Aaron, Lori have some children's Bible versions if you want to come explore and want some tips on some good Bibles. Yeah, so check out the resources here.